0: Chapter Fifteen of Left to Themselves by Edward Oramius Stevenson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Donald Cummings. Chapter Fifteen, Storm Stayed. Files of newspapers already yellowed can give the reader who cares for details of such events long accounts of the famous gale that suddenly lashed the western atlantic to a fury of destruction in the autumn of eighteen eighty blank it swept the rocky coasts of new england with a power that recent tempests have seldom equaled. fishing smacks merchant craft of stalwart build and yachts belated in their return home were dashed by dozens upon the reefs of the midland eastern states swallowed up by the terrific sea that ran at its highest for days together or, like empty soap boxes in surf, were driven to shore. The death list of seamen and others, unfortunate enough to be at the gale's mercy or mercilessness, ran well up into the hundreds. Nor was that all. For scores of miles inland, travel was interrupted by washouts and cavings in on highways and railroads. The telegraph and mail service were suspended in a dozen directions. Bridges were flooded or swept away as if by spring freshets. In the harbors and straits, such tides swelled as to make the oldest inhabitants of the villages along them shake in their shoes to hear measured and compared. For four days, sheets of rain descended upon Chantico with only brief pauses, and when the downpouring from overhead lightened and at last ceased. The wind and ocean were things to send dread into the spirits of even cool-headed skippers and spectators. With everything in the way of communicating with their friends brought to a standstill, paralyzed, Philip and Gerald waited on Chantico Island, in company with the proboscos, and watched the whirling and seething clouds in sea. Obed, however, was not able to be with them very often after the second morning his rheumatism awoke when he did and it kept the poor man much in his bed and in pain enough to put other dilemmas out of his sympathy mrs probosco nursed him ran the house sat for half-hours with touchstone and gerald chatting cheerfully and telling long stories of her and obid's younger days when they had lived on their parents farms some miles back of chantico she kept a watchful eye on gerald's convalescence and generally was like Caesar in having to do all things at one time, and like the mighty Julius, she did not complain of the situation. The resources of the farmhouse, except for Mrs. Zobed's lively talk, were modest in such an emergency. One could not put his head out of the door except the wind nearly blew it off. But anything must needs have been of a wonderful, distracting sort to beguile, for Philip Touchstone, at least hours that he knew must be costing their friends great suspense or deep grief. There was a backgammon board, with the legend, History of England, on the back, deceiving nobody. Gerald found amusement in another quite astonishing pastime, entitled, as to its large and gaudy label, The Checkered Game of Life, a moral and instructive amusement for youth of both sexes, by a friend to them. "'I wonder if it is meant for us.' gerald asked when he unearthed this ancient treasure i never heard of youth of both sexes before i thought people had to be either boys or girls philip partly spent one morning in teaching this solemn cat sundry tricks much against patient pussy's will which afternoon showed she had not given herself the slightest trouble to remember with gerald at his elbow to add accuracy to his notes he wrote up his diary which had been abiding safely in his travelling satchel the partial changes of linen and the convenient odds and ends that their satchels contained were of truly unexpected value now that their trunk was in the bottom of the sea with the rest of the old province's baggage mrs probosco took the opportunity to put their limited clothing into thorough order next time i come away on a short voyage i think i'll pack all my things in my closet into a handbag Gerald exclaimed ruefully, taking stock of their resources. "'Or send the trunk by land,' laughed Touch-Tone, grimly. "'I'm glad, though, that there was nothing of downright value in the trunk that we couldn't replace. When we get to Knoxport, we can get a wardrobe together directly there, or wherever Mr. Marcy and your father advise. How lucky you didn't put that daguerreotype of your mother in, the one that is to be copied.' "'Yes,' answered the boy seriously it was lucky papa would have felt as badly as i if that had been lost it's the only one we like Touchstone could see that this prolonged separation of the boy from his father in more than one sense would bring them nearer to each other than they had ever been before and a precious good thing he soliloquized the best way to keep some fellows chums seems to have somebody give them both a sound shaking now and then Perhaps this sort of thing for Gerald and Mr. Saxton amounts to that. In spite of the resolute silence of Gerald, for the sake of his friend, on the great topic of his father's or Mr. Marcy's whereabouts and conclusions, Philip, who certainly did not try to introduce it, knew that most of the time Mr. Saxton was in Gerald's mind. "'Do you know what I think?' he said abruptly, once, looking up from the backgammon board after having thrown his dice and placed his men abstractedly during several turns i don't believe i appreciated papa very much nor that he has appreciated me very much till now obid probosco's hobbling entrance for supper and a new study of the weather saved touchtone's answer to a statement that had struck him came peculiarly near to the truth and to a very common state of matters between near relatives they rambled over the old farmhouse the wind roaring and the rain dashing about the eaves and windows Philip possesses to-day a substantial reminder of this exploring in the shape of a bright copper warming-pan one of two that had belonged to grandmother probosco which now hangs in restored glory in a place far from that dusky nook it occupied for so many years the discovery of a rat in the wainscot of the kitchen within convenient range of the dresser where mrs probosco was accustomed to stand her hot bread and pies gave occupation to all the household including towser you will call that dog towser when you know his real name's jock frequently remonstrated mrs probosco for a while the second afternoon in the evening obid took to telling tales of a certain uncle of his who had been a seafaring man of uncommon education and that chronicle whiled away the hours till bedtime, and sent them to bed sleepy into the bargain. The history recounted being of a mild and long-winded sort, and chiefly connected with the efforts of the nautical ancestor to induce a widow that lived on Cape Ann to exchange a little piece of ground she owned for a big fishing smack that she didn't want, a wedding being part of the proposed transaction. They became, by hearsay, quite familiar with the quaint chantico people and their characters and ways for although mr and mrs probosco were so aloof from that little port several of their kith and kin lived thereabouts and the household supplies and queer chapters of gossip came thence to the island philip remembers in these after years as one sometimes does things heard in a dream the anecdotes and homely annals that he listened to or rather half listened to during those days sometimes a curious name that happens to be read or mentioned will bring back the scenes of that week and even the wearisome hoarse noise of sea and storm from hour to hour by mutual consent all questions of how far their detention from chantico might affect their plans were pushed aside unless gerald was out of earshot, and in any case what could they determine but it does not seldom occur in this conversational world that when every subject seems exhausted, people hit upon one that is to turn out the most important. This experience of talking against time, as it might be called, with the friendly proboscos, gave Touchstone an instance of the fact which he had always thought satisfactory enough. It was Gerald Saxton who, in the evening of the last day of the gale, unintentionally set the ball in motion by a careless remark obed happened to be out of the room for the sake of his efficacious bottle of liniment they had been speaking of the island farm how fertile it was how easily cultivated by obed and by the extra help he employed at certain times of the year of the commodious old dwelling that the couple had so long occupied that it was only at the days of rent-paying that they realized themselves still tenants and not owners you see said mrs obed holding up her darning needle to re-thread it making a very wry face in the process. We'd a bought the island long ago, Obed and me, though there's a pretty steep price for it. Disadvantages considered, but there's encumbrances as to the title. And besides, when Grandfather Probosco dies, that's my grandfather over to Peanut Point, he's feeble, very feeble. Obed and me'll have to take his farm and live there. It's a real sightly place, and the land's splendid but it'll be a hard pull for us to leave the island after spending so much of our lives here.' "'I should think so,' assented Gerald. "'I don't see why that Mr. Jennison you speak of—the one who partly owns the old place still—don't come over to take a look at it now and then, in the summers. I should think he would like to.' The face of the farmer's wife changed. "'Mr. Jennison ain't the sort of man to care about that,' she replied he does come, sometimes. As it happens, husband kind of expected him this very month, on some errand he wrote about last July. There's a whole room full of his things upstairs. "'A roomful of his things?' ejaculated Philip, remembering the locked door. "'Yes. When he was a young man, and used to visit oftener, we got in a way of keeping a chamber upstairs. There wasn't no use to the family of us.' as a kind of store-room for him there's quite a good many old articles furniture and trunks and papers he says they ain't of no any use though they belonged in the family he asked us to let him stay till he settled somewhere he ain't settled yet doesn't he live anywhere mrs probosco gave a cough i guess you might best say he lives everywhere he's a rovin gentleman by his own account then i suppose he's generally in new york and makes that his headquarters suggested gerald my father says people who live out of new york most of the time always say that is he a broker i don't know just what his business is returned mrs probosco philip surmised that interesting facts as to mr Jennison lurked about he decided not to interrupt gerald's thoughtless catechism sometimes his business seems to be one thing and sometimes another the farmer's wife concluded. I'd like to see him. I don't think you'd be especially taken with him, dryly returned Mrs. Obed. But he might happen here before you get off. He goes all over the country in long journeys. Sometimes Mr. Clagg, that's the lawyer over to Chantico, don't know his address for weeks. And he's really the last of the jenisons, you say? What a pity he don't live in this old place himself and keep it up. For the sake of the family." Mrs. Probosco examined the stocking carefully. "'Yes, it's a pity. But I don't much think he could. Mr. Janison isn't married, and he isn't rich, you see. Nor—' Just then Obed's strong voice came from the doorway, where he'd been pausing. "'Look here, Loretta,' he exclaimed banteringly. "'I should think you'd feel ashamed of yourself to sit there and try to pull the wool over their eyes.' where's the use i know you've a considerable loyal feeling to the Jennisons, but you needn't carry it so far the fact is boys he continued sitting down in his armchair with some difficulty the fact is loretta and i have come to the conclusion that our mr winthrop Jennison's grown to be a pretty shady and suspicious sort of character his life and his business seem to be matters that honest folks needn't inquire into too closely there loretta "'Now, bid," retorted Mrs. Probosco, in great annoyance, "'you oughtn't to say that. "'You don't know, for certain, any more than I do.' "'Maybe I don't know so much. "'Maybe I know more. "'More even than I've let on, my dear. "'For one thing, I haven't ever given you the particulars "'of what Clagg told me that last afternoon "'I went over to pay the rent "'and learned if Mr. Jennison to come from Boston.' "'Mr. Clagg?' what did mr Clagg say obed asked the wife her work and the boys forgotten in her sudden anxiety evidently the mysterious mr jennison was a standing topic of debate between the pair how could ye keep so still about it well i'll let you hear now obed replied good-naturedly with a wink at philip and in some enjoyment of the situation but wait before i do i'm going to tell the boys here what you know already then they'll understand the rest of my story better you see mr touchstone he began mr winthrop jennison grew up without father or mother and he was first sent to one boarding school then to another by his uncle for whom he was named who owned this place till he died mr winthrop was a wild kind of a boy from the first i guess he wasn't so downright bad but he was wild and easy led into bad scrapes there was two or three we heard of before his education and his law studies was done. Then his uncle, that was his guardian, died, and Mr. Winthrop was sent to Europe. He'd used to come here quite often in the summers before that. Wife and I thought a good deal of him, and wanted to keep up his interest in the place. But in France and Germany, he altered a good deal, and spent most of his money, and when he got back to New York, he hadn't much. He couldn't well sell this place, or he wouldn't, so he always said at any rate that wouldn't have been of much use at last mr clagg found out he gambled bad and that he'd gotten into a set of men in the city that was shady enough to turn him into a real blackguard if he didn't look out mr clagg talked a lot to him and straightened out his money matters for him and then he come away from new york and started into in law in boston touchtone listened with interest quite as much as gerald to whom this was an exciting sketch from real life which as later he would find alas had so many like it but the next paragraph of mr winthrop jennison's discreditable history made philip's attention suddenly sharp and a flush of colour came into his face we heard these things and lots more about em better or worse mostly worse wife and i wondered at him and was sorry but whenever he come over here no matter what he might be further inside mr winthrop was always a perfect gentleman not a bit dissipated looking except his being generally very pale and we rather liked his visits he seemed pretty well tired out when he was here he'd shut himself up in his room or take a boat and go fishing wife and i think he's stuck so to the place as a kind of refuge and resting place for him when things don't suit him he's a nice looking pleasant-spoken man of i dare say forty only he don't look his age well after he'd been in boston a while he broke loose again with a whole set of his worst chums the papers said there was a forgery he and they was all mixed up in together and when he come here the same summer that mr clagg knew about then we found out that he'd got as many as half a dozen names and two or three post office addresses but there was worse to come one afternoon in september he and some of the evilest-faced and best-dressed fellows i ever see come to the island from off a yacht they all sat down there by the point talking and wrangling till sundown then mr janison went off with them in the boat only coming up here a minute to say hi to do to loretta here loretta was more afraid of him than glad to see him for all the soft spot in her heart i wasn't afraid of him obid but i wasn't glad to see him protested mrs probosco i was sure that no man could keep that kind of company and seem on such good terms with em and be any longer a credit to his stock a credit to his stock mocked that's your usual mild way of putting it she'll take the man's part more or less till she dies boys mark my words well the very week after he and his party landed here that afternoon there came a big noise about a robbery of a bank in new york that all the papers were full of and the parties that managed it planned the whole affair and the yacht they'd hired and they'd expected to get off safe in it when the thing was over twas a little before your day mr philip the suburban bank robbery at a place close to new york the suburban bank robbery touchstone caught his breath excitedly gerald nearly betrayed his friend by his unguarded look at philip but it was dark now and the storm was boisterous obid pursued his tale unobserving and quite forgetful of any names that he might have read long ago mr clagg said the description given during the trial of those bank scamps fitted some of mr jennison's friends ashore that day to a t i'd taken some good looks at them from behind my salt haystacks well after that wife here she kind of give up on mr jennison you felt terrible bad didn't you yes i did Loretta assented soberly, though we couldn't never make up our minds that he was actually any near mixed up in the thing. You don't want to say that she added, you've said it for me, Obed returned. that's enough. His regret and shame at such disgrace to the blood of the Jenisons was as strong as his wife's, slightly as he expressed it. He continued his story rapidly, well, the very week the bank was broken into he arrived here one morning suddenly and he stayed here a couple of days we remembered that later in the trial and from here he went off to canada next thing mr clagg knew he'd given up all his law business whatever it amounted to and was doing something or nothing in new york again we scarcely saw him after that he's come less and less often as wife may have told you once a year once in two years He was last over here in the spring, and now I come to what Clagg was letting on to me the other day, Loretta. I hope, I hope, Obed, that it's nothing worse than what's come already, interrupted Mrs. Probosco. In spite of any new and unexpected interest in Obed's account of the black sheep of the jennison line, Philip felt a touch of sympathy for her kindly grief. No, it ain't so bad. It is a trifle wuss in one way. Obed answered philosophically there's more ways earnin a dishonest livin than there is for an honest one i sometimes think but give me please a square and fair villain clagg says the last year there was a bad case a most amazing one of blackmail in new york do you know what that is wife these boys do i reckon well this was a special scandalous thing so mr clagg thinks an attempt on the part of a couple of rascals to put a family secret into all the newspapers unless the two old ladies they threatened would pay em well on to twenty-five thousand dollars to keep quiet they didn't succeed the police took the matter up the rogues were frightened and get out of town as quick as they could and hain't he been heard of since Clagg says he knows to a certainty that winthrop jennison was one of em so that's his last piece of wickedness and he's sunk low enough for that. Clagg may be wrong, replied Mrs. Probosco, sadly. Clagg isn't often wrong, and this time he's certain of what he believes, replied Probosco solemnly. Now you can understand why I feel less than I ever did before like shutting that rascal out from under this roof, whether his grandfather's owned it or not. Now you know why, as I told Mr. Clagg, I'd like him to take away himself and every belonging he's got under it. I'm through with him. A blackguard and coward, besides all the rest of his wickedness. If he does turn up here in the course of the next few days or weeks, I shan't tell him just that. But I'm going to remind him that this island's mine, if I pay my rent, and henceforth he can stay away. What do you think of that, Loretta? I I reckon you're about right, Obid, responded Loretta meekly. Apparently, she realized, there was no use to waste an in interest in so worthless and unsafe a direction. "'A great story, isn't it, Mr. Philip?' Probosco demanded, as his wife rose to set supper on, but stood looking out of the window sadly. "'Yes, yes, a pretty bad one,' assented Touchstone. He was about to add, in as cool and indifferent a tone as he could command, "'I wish you could just describe this Mr. Jennison a little more closely for me.' is he light or dark he cut short the question unuttered gerald was present but lo and behold mrs loretta nearly spoiled his generous precaution she turned from the window abruptly i've got a photograph of mr janison would you care to see it a photograph replied gerald yes ever so much i'd be glad to see what such a bad man looks like like a very good-looking man returned mrs Probasco from behind the supper-table i'll get it just as soon as i pour this milk out the light shone on philip's face gerald was looking at the cat rubbing herself against towser philip quickly shook his head at mrs probosco and laid his finger on his lips she nodded surprised but obedient smash on the floor fell the large yellow bowl she carried obed and gerald and philip started gerald ran around the table to see what the calamity amounted to tain't of the least consequence she said not a bit i ain't often so unhandy just hand me that broom there and we'll get the pieces together philip gave her a grateful and amused look at her clever device and passing near her said don't talk any more about that story don't let him see the picture i'll explain later Mrs. Probosco not only heeded his words, but found a chance to put them into Obed's ear. Obed looked at Touchstone curiously as he took the hurried hint. "'Odd,' he thought to himself. "'Dare say he don't like the little boy to get such a story-clearer in his mind. It ain't such a pleasant one.' Supper passed off, the jennison topic avoided. They had an ever-ready substitute for it in the weather. The storm was at last ceasing. The rain was less the wind shifting. Next morning might be fairly clear. Obe's rheumatism, however, made it unlikely that they could leave so soon. The farmer was as anxious as they, generous-hearted fellow, but no risks must be run. They were too many miles from the coast. The morning would decide for them. Gerald was disappointed of the photograph after supper. Mrs. Probosco absented herself some time from the room to try and lay her hands on it wherever she'd put it last, but returned without it. Philip thanked her again by an expressive look. She was a discreet woman. Gerald was decoyed away to bed. He was wakeful and tried to engage Philip in a murmured discussion of Obid's story and the possibility of there being anything of private importance to Touchstone in it. But that Touchstone could not at once determine this, he soon perceived, and inferring that not much could be properly expected of it, The boy ceased talking and fell asleep. Philip walked into the other room. He was a good deal more excited than he seemed. "'May I see that photograph you spoke of now, Mrs. Probosco?' he asked. "'I've had a very special reason for keeping it from Gerald. I'm so much obliged to you both for helping me.' Mrs. Probosco opened the book in which she had slipped it. "'There it is. He left it in the house by accident, last spring.' she eyed Philip sharply. He bent over it in the candlelight. It was an imperial photograph from a leading New York studio. It is probable that there never was taken a more unmistakable and perfectly satisfactory likeness of the calm, handsome countenance of Mr. John A. Belmont. Philip was prepared for this certainty. But what was best to be done? Gerald and he— storm stayed and sheltered under the roof of their enemy and persecutor liable to be found there by him they must indeed hurry from this house at the earliest instant if only philip had not been so reserved with mr and mrs probosco as to the strange and dramatic interference of belmont in their plans if he had but given them so much as a hint at the adventure then there would not now be so much to disclose and explain nevertheless He felt sure he had acted prudently. Many courses occurred to him as he looked at the photograph, with his host and hostess on either side of him. "'Have you ever seen him, Mr. Touchstone, down to New York, do you think?' asked Dobin, certainly little expecting an affirmative reply. Philip laid down the picture and turned to the couple, resolved. "'Yes, I have. I began to think so when you were finishing your story and that's why I wanted it broken off, and this picture kept back. I am sorry to say it, but that man there is an enemy of mine, and of Gerald Saxton, or perhaps of Gerald's father. He has given us, unexpectedly, a great deal of trouble since Gerald and I left the Asakasi. He would be glad, I am sure, to do more if he possibly gets the chance. We met him first as a Mr. Hilliard, and last, he told me to call him Mr. John A. Belmont of New York. I i am a good deal afraid of him. Obed and Loretta Provosco stared at Touchtone, and then at each other, in astonishment too deep for more than the shortest of their favorite exclamations. I can tell you the whole story presently. You will see. Gerald has known, but very little about it. I don't intend he shall know much more. But, as to the main point... If Mr. Jennison should find us here, I don't know what might happen. He must not find us. We are in a queer pickle without any worse troubles. His landing here before we can get away, or his learning that Gerald and I have spent this time in the house with you, would make our fix far worse, I know. We must get to Chantico and Knoxport tomorrow, if the weather will let us even try it. And if this Mr. Belmont, Jennison I mean, comes here before you hear from me, you must not let him know we were with you, or in this neighborhood. After we once meet Gerald's people, it can't make any difference. More still, after that, it may be I'd like to have a chance to talk to him myself, bad as he is. But for the present, he must not hear our names breathed." "'Well, this is sudden,' Obit ejaculated. "'But—' "'Hush!' exclaimed Mrs. Perasco, going softly to the hall. "'I thought I heard Gerald speaking no he's all right she returned quickly i was going to say that wife and me had best know more about this right away mr touchstone said obed slowly it's pretty queer if we're to do you any good or rather not hurt your plans you might post us a little further exactly philip replied you shall know whatever i can tell you as quickly as i can tell it so for two hours while gerald was in dreamland the posting continued Philip told his story, but not that part of his family history that was hard to narrate to new friends. He answered frankly the many questions that their sympathy prompted. Once clear in their minds, neither Obed nor Mrs. Probosco doubted the story's truth. "'You needn't say any more, tonight at least, Mr. Touchstone,' said Obed at last. "'We've heard enough. Ain't we, Loretta? Your story and mine run about as close as stories could, more's the pity.' The weather's likely to be rough tomorrow, and my rheumatics may keep me from getting across till next day. I should be terrible sorry if I'm not better. I wish I wasn't alone. I'm pretty sure you're fairly safe from the chance of Jennison's coming to the farm this week, but I ain't fully sure. Well, if he does, we can hide you both snug as a bug in a rug, declared Mrs. Loretta stoutly. Precisely, continued Obed anyway inside of forty-eight hours you'll be in knoxport and gettin' word to your friends and from em i hope make your mind easy yes we'll help you all we can to straighten everything out right said his wife nothing will happen to you here but we'll know about it and be ready to go through it with you and that dear boy that's left in your charge the good lord bless him and you the conversation ended philip went to bed but not to sleep for a good hour or so he speculated and planned. The Proboscos talked together in their room assiduously enough. The next day the sky was, to say the least, threatening, and the sea terrifically rough for small craft. Proboscos' rheumatism was worse, one shoulder quite crippled. Philip was not used to navigation of the kind called for. Another day's delay seemed unwise and unendurable, though he gave up everything at last but toward evening it was decided that the next morning if the weather was even a trifle improved he and gerald should leave with obed's help or without there being one or two obliging fishermen in chantico who would bring back the catboat. accordingly the next morning saw the two embarking alone obed could not budge philip promised to exercise every kind of care and he would communicate with obed by way of chantico within a few days they bid these true if new friends, good by. Philip shook Ovid's rough hand as the farmer lay in bed, suffering severely and anything but patient at so untimely a setback. Uh, I'd rather have lost a small fortune than that thing should come this way, he declared. And I'll be in as much of a fever as Loretta till we get word from you. I'm sure I wish you could stay a month. A rough and not particularly direct passage brought them safely to Chantico about noon. It was a bright, cold day. A stagecoach ran to Knoxport. They had exactly time to catch this. By the middle of the afternoon, they were trundling along the main business street of Knoxport. They were set down at the door of the Kassuth House, the largest of the few inns the town possessed. At last! Here at last, Gerald! exclaimed Touchtone, in deep relief, as they hurried into the office. End of Chapter Fifteen